Well, good morning, church. <laughs> yeah, I tried to get it before you take a bite. So anyway, and welcome to our neighbors. I'm glad to be together with you. Um, we are uh, we're in a series that's called Building One Another. Um, I was taught in school about evolution and how things start off kind of simple and they get more and more complicated over time and how things get better the longer, uh, the longer, the more time that they have. Things get better the more time that they have to develop and to grow. And the primary engine for development, the primary engine for growth, the primary uh, engine for um, progress actually is death. For a community to get stronger, we need to make sure and allow the weaker parts of the community to die so that the stronger components of the community can survive and they can live and they can and, and continue to produce. And that's how things get better. And that's the mindset that I was taught in school. Um, and that's the mindset that a lot of people like to think they approach the world with. Um, my suspicion is there are, very f there are a lot fewer evolutionists than um, claim to be. Because when I say it outright, I can already see, like, I've brought the mood of the room down. Like, when I just say outright, the, 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 the way that we progress is to let the weaker die, everybody's like, I don't like where this guy's going. This does not feel right to me. Like, so my suspicion is that there are a lot fewer evolutionists than, than would claim to be. But my question is, what do we do as people who've gathered together um, in a church? Like, how do we approach church? Do we, do we accidentally take that mindset, that evolutionary mindset, that the weaker of us just need to get off the bus so that the stronger of us can push forward? Do, do we want to, as a congregation, build for ourselves a museum of the strong? The people that have survived, the people that have overcome, we want to we put those people up on a pedestal and we want to have a museum together of the strong. Is that what Jesus meant for his church? Is that how he approached the world? Um, a question I'd like to wrestle with together this morning, if you'll join me in that. Um, as we begin, I'd like to invite you to pray together with me. Um, and it's our habit as we, as we start to pray the disciples' prayer together. This isn't a magic spell um, or anything like that, but it does orient our hearts. It does give us the right attitude to approach to God. Um, and so as we pray it together, it's helpful for us to use the same words. So the words are on the screen if you're not familiar with it or you're not familiar with the way that I do it because I know I do it weird. So here we are. Would you pray together with me? Um, uh, you can say this out loud if you'd like to, but at the very least, I'd ask you to, to bow your hearts and pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In this study, we have been looking together in uh, the letter of 1 Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And so I'd invite you to navigate with me there in your Bibles. It's um, on these blue Bibles that are probably tucked under the chairs in front of you. 
It's on page 1230, but we're actually going to be on 1231. So 1231, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you want to navigate there and read together with me. And as you're turning there, just to let you know, what I'd like to do this morning is read a block of verses, and these block of verses is, is what we're covering in the whole series. Um, but then we're going to take two verses out of the middle, and that's really what we're going to focus in on this morning. Um, so it may be helpful for you to have it there in front of you. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 11, and I'll read down to verse 22, and then we'll talk about 14 and 15 there in the middle. Let's read together. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So I'll pause there. Um, this series, Building One Another, we're going through these verses and kind of combing through them one by one. And this book, this is actually a letter. We're actually reading somebody else's mail and trying to glean some spiritual principles from it. And the letter was originally written to a group of Christians in a town called Thessalonica, which is kind of the capital city of their province. So you can think Tallahassee. So they're, they're kind of city folk. And they had a preacher come through town um, who told them, hey, Jesus is actually the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And they thought, like, oh, well, that's good. Like, that's what we've been waiting for for our whole lives. We're going to put our faith in him, and we're going to follow him. They, they saw something that they perceived as good, and they stepped out on faith and started to invest in that thing. But as they invested in that thing, it got harder. The more they tried to do good, the more persecution arose. And so the preacher who had come and shared the good news with them, the town saw what was happening and chased him out. They chased him out of town. They threatened the person that had given him lodging and were trying to prosecute him. And so once they got the leadership out, then the town turned their attention on the people who had trusted Jesus. And it got harder and harder and harder. The more they tried to do good, the harder it got. And so the preacher writes this letter back to them and says, hey, I know you guys are trying to do the right thing. And you are, you are children of light in a dark generation. Let me encourage you. If you want to survive... As children of light in a dark generation, here's what you do. You build one another. And so I don't know if you have ever felt like that, maybe recently, maybe in the past, um, but that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. How do we build one another? And all of these verses are intensely practical, um, and the danger in them is that we can be like, okay, checklist, did that, did that, did that, did that. But there are some heart issues that this checklist is going to reveal that I want to talk about. And in particular, I want to look at verses 14 and 15 right there in the middle. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and 
to everyone. Here's our, our, our main principle, our big idea that I really hope to embed in our minds this morning. Jesus' body has no spare pieces. If we are the body of Christ, and each of us is a member and a part of Jesus' body, I, want, I need you to understand that Jesus' body has no spare pieces. Sure, he could live without a finger, but it's not a spare. There's nothing in his body, there's no person that he has brought into his body that he did on accident or that he thinks is actually optional. Jesus' body has no spare pieces. Why do I say that, Michael? Well, he says, we urge you. This is really important. Let me urge you. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some pictures and try to, try to blow this out, try to, try to dig a little bit deeper into what these exhortations are. Encourage the idol. Um, the idea is instructing. The idea is, is teaching and trying to motivate um, unruly soldiers. So the picture here is, is, is a group of soldiers. They've, they've done their work. Uh, maybe they're, they're doing rest time and, and they're, they've crossed the line across like what is leisure and what is like we're out of order. And he says, look, for those people, for the people that have just kind of gotten completely lax in all of their discipline, like teach them, instruct them, give them encouragement to keep pressing on, to stay on mission. Encourage the idol. Then he says, encourage encourage the faint-hearted. I should have highlighted these in this because I, I keep losing my pace on the page. Encourage the faint-hearted. Who are the faint-hearted? The faint-hearted are the overwhelmed. The ones who feel like they don't have enough resources to accomplish the task that they've been given. The people that feel like they're up to their eyeballs and they're trying to get their nose above water. The overwhelmed. Encourage, give courage, give strength to the overwhelmed, the frazzled the ones who feel like there's no way they can actually manage all of the things that they need to manage. Encourage those people. And then help the weak. This is really interesting. Weak actually is, is, is a picture of sickness, is, is a picture of illness. The people who are weak are the ones who don't have the strength to, to kind of do anything for themselves. They're, they're um, sick, sickly or, or ill. And he says, help. And, and, and the word for help is actually stronger than help. The word for help is actually be devoted to, cling to the sick. Now that's, that's hard. If, if you've known somebody who has like given care for somebody at the end of their life, somebody who's, who's been the person in the house when hospice isn't around, if you know somebody who is, who is cared for and been the caregiver of somebody who's on their last breath or somebody who's trying to recover, like that is a commitment. That is a, I am here 24-7, whatever you need, I'm on call. I'm here for you, whatever your needs are. Even if they're demeaning, even if it's degrading for me to have to do that, but I, I need to care for you. I am devoted to you. I cling to the sick. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Patiently. Here's, 
Here's the heart issue. Because we can kind of do that. We can say, all right, I'll go and spend time with the sick people. All right, I'll go and tell the unruly soldiers that they need to get in line. Okay, I will, uh, I will uh, go and, and sit with the overwhelmed person and, and try to help them sort through their grief. Like I can go and, and do those things. I can check those things off of my list. Be patient with them all. Patiently. Let, now, there's a lot of things that you can fake. Patience is not one of them. Oh, come on. I thought I'd get an amen on that one. Let me try again. There are a lot of things that we can fake. Patience is not one of them. All right. I know y'all have teenagers, so come on now. Help me out. There's a lot of things we can fake. Patience is not one of them. And and he takes these three things, um, admonish, encourage, and help, these three kinds of people, disorderly, the overwhelmed, and the sick, and he says, do all of these things with patience i.e. you're going to need the Holy Spirit in this. You're not going to be able to continue to walk in that room and continue to be the kind of person that you need to be to those people without him leading and guiding you. Patience. Long-suffering is the, is the Bible word that I really like the most. When we talk about patience, we talk about long-suffering. And some days it's long-suffering. Yeah? Sometimes it's years. Sometimes it's decades. But this is the exhortation. Why? Why waste your time with the disorderly? The people who know the rules, but they just choose not to follow them. Why waste your time with the people who are overwhelmed? Like, clearly they just can't hack it. Like, suck it up, buttercup. Let's get on with our lives. Why spend time with the sick and the ill? Like, obviously we need to just get rid of them so that we can move forward and we can have progress. Why do this? Because Jesus' body has no spare parts. The sick are there for us who are well. The disorderly are those for us who feel like we've got our lives in order. The the overwhelmed are those for us who feel like we get it and we can manage it. So he summarizes again. See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil. We're not going to be retributive. Retributive. See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. To do good to one another and to everyone. So there's two lenses that we approach this passage through. Now, if you're, if you're not somebody who is following Jesus yet, like I'm excited that you're here. I'm glad that you're hearing this. But this is for people who've, who've committed their lives and following Jesus. Like there's two lenses that we have to consider this passage through. We have to consider it through one another and through everyone. Because it's one thing to be able to manage to like listen to that one like person who just keeps rambling in the Bible study. It's another thing for it to be your coworker who's who's rambling about problems that they created two months ago, right? They're, like we can have some patience with people that we're on the same spiritual um, the same spiritual page with, but when it goes outside of the realm of like spiritual community, we're like, oh my gosh, like would you just get that together? <laughs> See to it that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone because Jesus' body has no spare parts. So here's the question. Will we, neighborhood church, will we be a museum of the strong? Or will we be a hospital for the weak? 
Will we take the strong and those who have survived and those who have overcome and we put them up on a pedestal and will we celebrate them and their strength or will we be a hospital for the weak who's patient with the ones that are sick, who's patient with the ones that are overwhelmed and frazzled, who's, who's, <laughs> who's patient in teaching those who are disorderly. I'm reminded of Jesus' words that are recorded in Mark chapter 2. He's talking about his mission. He's talking about the whole reason he came to earth. He says, hey, I didn't come for the people who were well. I came for the sick. The people who are well have no need for a doctor, and I'm a doctor. So when I showed up, I came to heal. And the people I came to heal are the people who know that they're sick. People who don't know that they're sick don't think that they need to go to the doctor. You know some people like that, don't you? You know some people that they're like, are, I think I'll be okay. I don't need to go to the doctor. It's all right. Like, all right, dude, like, I can't really dig a whole six foot out front. Like, I don't really want to carry you out of here. The people who think that they're well have no need for a doctor. Well, really, they do, but they think that they don't. But Jesus says, I came for the sick. Will we be a museum for the strong or a hospital for the weak? And what does that mean for us? That means we actually have to trust the doctor. If the doctor gives us a diagnosis or the doctor gives us some instructions for how to care for others in the hospital, then we got to trust him. If he says, hey, you're sick and this is going to kill you, then we got to say, okay, then heal me. I, I don't want this in my life anymore. Or if he says, hey, you're really, really strong, you're breathing good, I need you, I need you to go and help somebody else do well. Okay. I want to look at it through two more lenses, if I can, and, and just to remind us that Jesus' body has no spare parts. Um, maybe you're like, okay, Mike, like, I'm the weak here. I, I, I've identified with, with more of what you've said in the description about the weak. I am I'm disorderly. I know the rules, but I'm not doing it. Or I'm overwhelmed. I just feel like nothing I do actually makes any connections. Or um, I'm sick. Like, I just feel like I don't have the health or the strength to be able to do that. Listen, you don't need to feel guilty for not being able to muster up the willpower to heal yourself. If you could heal yourself, I'm sure you already would. And we don't need to feel guilty for the illness that all of us have to deal with. It's a condition of all of humanity that we have to wrestle with sin. Myself included. The preacher, like, he's got stuff together. Like, he's got, like, no. (laughs) No, I have to wrestle these things down too. And we need not feel guilty for not being able to muster up the willpower to heal ourselves. But we have to agree with the doctor when he says that we're sick. Sometimes agreeing with the doctor means showing up at the hospital and saying, hey, I think I don't feel good. (laughs) Some of us spend a whole lot of time being really, really angry at the doctor and never showing up to talk to him. And I'm not talking about coming to church. Like, I'm talking about going and talking to him. Like, meet him in the prayer closet. Be like, Jesus, like, this is what's going on. And, and, I, and I feel sick about it. And he's like, yeah, I'm glad you finally came to talk to me about it. 
Because sometimes I can convince myself that I can diagnose the problem by myself without the doctor. Sometimes I'll go to WebMD and figure out what all my symptoms are. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, I think I'm dying. And then all of Jesus is standing in the corner going like, I'm right here. Like I can literally tell you what the problem is. We got to trust the doctor. We, we actually are designed to need one another. That Jesus puts us into a community on purpose. Jesus takes dead people, brings them into his body, into his family, and says, like, you guys are going to have to work this out together. There are some things that you can't solve on your own. That's why one of our core values as neighborhood churches is that we journey together. We're in this together. Like, I don't, I, I was saying that before Rona, but we are, like, in this together. Like, we journey together. Another observation for those who are sick or weak. A loving relationship goes in two directions. Um, I know some saints who are devoted followers of Jesus and who serve with their whole heart and their whole lives. And they will lay down their lives for somebody else without thinking twice. So humble. But the minute somebody offers to give them help, oh, no, 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 I'm good, I got it, I got it. Me and Jesus, we're good, we got this. Right, yes, I know. But Jesus put you into community as well. And sometimes, sick, weak, overwhelmed, unruly, sometimes you need to let others love you to serve you and to care for you, sometimes. And it may not be entirely a spiritual issue. So I don't, I don't have the degree or anything to get into this, but it may not be entirely a spiritual issue. There are spiritual components, but I acknowledge that we as humans are not just spirit. We're body. There are physical things that help us, that, inter that change how we interact with the world. If I'm hungry, I'm not praying right. I'm just saying it right here. Um, there are mental things that we have to wrestle with. There are, are, are spiritual things. Like we are whole people and every part interacts with the other. So it may not just be a spiritual issue, but the good news is that Jesus is addressing all of those things. His redemption is for all of creation, physical, spiritual, social. So here's the question. Will we share our weakness Well, we share our weakness. Well, we share our weakness with the others that are following Jesus around us. We can walk in and be like, oh man, this, is, this feels like a museum. All these people got it together. They don't have time for my problems. Like, I got a lot of problems. I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know if they'll be able to deal with this. I don't know what they'll think about me. Like, hey, will we share our weakness with one another? Because Jesus asked us not to be a museum. He asked us to be a hospital. And if everybody shows up to a hospital, like, like, I'm good. I don't really need anything. I'm just here to help out. Bro, your arm is broken. Yeah, it's full. It'd be fine. It's okay. I'm good. Don't touch it. I don't like it. Will we share our weakness? Because Jesus' body has no spare parts. Okay, you're like, all right, Mike, I get it. Like, you, you're, a, you're a shepherd, you're a pastor, you care about the hurting people, I'm really happy for you, but, like, I'm really not that bad off. Like, I'm, I'm kind of doing okay right now. Like, I don't have it all together, but I'm kind of doing okay. Um, 
let me remind you of what we talked about last week, and you can look at this on the, on the YouTube channel if you need a review, but Jesus builds his body through his body. Jesus builds his body through his body. He uses members of his body to strengthen other members of his body. His spirit empowers all the work, and there's a mystery to that that I can't quite understand, but Jesus uses his body to build his body. The strong are there to lift up the weak. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to tell you this. He wouldn't have to write to you. Um, We urge you. This is important. Pay attention to this. We urge you. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And he also wouldn't have to tell you if that was like easy or natural for you to do. Well, I'm not weak. I wouldn't say, you might say to yourself, I'm not weak. Um, I guess I'm kind of doing okay, but I don't think that I'm strong enough to like help somebody else out. Like, I don't know that I'm, I'm there yet. Like, maybe one day, maybe after I finish my degree or maybe after I get out of it, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. I'll just remind you, again, of another thing that we've talked about recently in our series that we called How to Grow, is that we're designed to grow for the benefit of others. Our spiritual growth is not just for our benefit, but we're designed to grow for the benefit of others. Jesus is building his body, not just building individuals. And if you say, like, I don't know that I'm ready to, like, that's okay. But at least be honest about it and say, like, okay, maybe I am more weak than I think I am. And maybe I need some more encouragement here. And if you're wrestling through some of that tension, because it's a tension, and I think all of us kind of struggle to identify ourselves and put ourselves um, kind of on the map. Like, let me just, because I feel like it's my responsibility to encourage you, connect to the source of life. We talked, we've talked numerous times in the last month or so about John 15. Like, if you're not connected to Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're connected to neighborhood church. It doesn't matter if you have a good spiritual family. If you're not connected to Jesus, you're dead. So start there. There's something else. I don't know if you have this experience. Um, I'm, I've been studying the Bible for a long, long time, and still there are times where I open it up and I read a page and I go, I did not know that was in there. Like I knew, like I knew like vaguely, I knew vaguely this idea existed and it sounded kind of good, but like I read it for myself and like, oh, oh gosh, I have to deal with this now. Um, Jesus brought me to one of those this week. And if you want some homework, you want something to kind of blow your mind, it was Isaiah 58, Isaiah chapter 58. And the idea there, um, there's a group of people that are super religious that they actually have it together. They're managing their time. They're able to do a daily quiet time and like they're good at it. I'm like, but duh, that's a spiritual, spiritual win. Like you're knocking it out of the park. If you can wake up and read your Bible every day, like you're doing great. There are people who have a daily quiet time, but their prayers are inhibited because they neglect the weak in their community. They're doing a daily quiet time. They've got their lives cleaned up. They're doing everything they're supposed to be and they just don't feel like they have the spiritual impact. And there in Isaiah 58, he says, hey, maybe you should invite some poor people to eat at your table. Maybe you should spend some time with with those that are suffering in your community. And maybe then God will hear your prayers. Either he'll hear your prayers or you'll pray different. One of the two. Who... For the strong among us, who are we going to invite to our table this week? 
we read together this morning in Galatians chapter 6. Um, it's, it's a verse that uh, most days I get frustrated by. Do not grow weary. <sighs> Failing. Do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of bearing one another's burdens. How could we possibly not grow weary of bearing one another's burdens? We're connected to the source of life. And he's the one who's doing the heavy lifting. He says his burden is light and easy. And if I feel weighed down, I'm picking up the wrong thing. To the strong, will we use our strength to build one another up? Some of us are weak. Some of us are strong. Some of us are somewhere in the middle. Some of us are going to change next week. There's some of us who are weak this week that next week something's going to happen and you're going to feel real strong. It's, it's, it's not static. These categories don't, aren't hard and fast. We're going to change. But there's a passage in Romans chapter 15 that says both the strong and the weak are a gift to one another. The strong are not strong unless the weak are there to help them understand their strength. And the weak are there, or the strong, the weak are a gift to the strong, and the strong are a gift to the weak. Because Jesus' body has no spare parts. Now, before we begin to, to start to check off some of these lists, we, we write a to-do list. I want to remind you that this is the Holy Spirit that does this work in and through you, that wherever he's leading you with your next step, it's him that's going to empower you to do it. So don't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try to do better this week. I'm asking you to lean into Jesus and ask him how he wants to lead through you. And so I want to close together this time um, by reading the conclusion of this passage, verses 23 through 24. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray together. Almighty God, there's a tension between us understanding the work that you're doing and us understanding our responsibility to cooperate with you. And so, Lord, for all of the things that I've said this morning, if there's something that's my own opinion or something that, that is just my words, God, I pray that those things would burn off real quick and that we'd forget them. But, Lord, I ask that your word would stand true and sure and embed itself in our hearts. Would you help us to wrestle with the instructions that you're leaving for us as we follow you? And for those of us who've not yet made a decision, who've not yet surrendered our lives, who are not yet ready to follow you, God, I pray that you would draw us into that. <laughs> that you would use your family as fishers of men to bring those who are far away in and close to you. We need you. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you fill us and strengthen us? Would you strengthen us and humble us as you see fit? It's in your name that we ask it. Amen.
this conversation isn't supposed to be a conclusion. It's supposed to be a starting point. And so um, as we are, are ending this time, um, open up just a few minutes for prayer and reflection, to talk with God about what it is that he's bringing to mind. If you need to write something down so you don't forget, that's me. Um, this is a good time to do it. Um, but just take a few moments and in prayer before we close together in singing.